Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I've been doing it for so long and doing it so well, so uh, he's, you know, one of the most respected and uh, hardworking guys, and he's been doing it for a long time, so I uh, hope he keeps winning for a long, long period to come. Congratulations. Very, very grateful. We have an amazing group of guys, and we'll see you at 1130. <laughs> All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I All right, great I stuff there. Hour number two, eight o'clock hour, hanging out with you live in the drive, Hubler.com studios. It's the wake up call. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney, Mark Dykton as well. Great stuff there. Win number 900 for head coach Rick Carlisle. 152, 111 last night in Gamebridge. It's a Tuesday in the eight o'clock hour. You know, coach joins us. Uh, coach, good morning. Congratulations. How's everything going? Everything's going fine. It sounds like you guys actually, somebody actually put some work into that thing at the beginning. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very humbled, but uh, good to be with you guys. Uh, it's all about show prep. Shout out it's to like, Mark Dyson yes. on that. Uh, you, our producer you have, you have practice coach. We have show prep. I, you know, I was uh, telling Kevin during the break, it, it seems like, you know, everyone's giving you a lot of fanfare and rightfully so winning now 900 games in the NBA, but uh, I don't know how much you want the attention. I assume you're ready just to kind of move on and get ready for Utah. Yes. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair well enough. said, Rick Carlisle, fresh off of win 900. <laughs> Don't think he was out celebrating too, too late last night. Uh, Coach, I am curious this. I mean, obviously your first win was over two decades ago. Uh, in what ways would you say the game has changed the most since win number one for you, and how has that impacted your coaching? Well, the, the game's changed dramatically. Uh, my first year of coaching was the first year that um, the new NBA rules went into effect. Uh, Jerry Colangelo was in charge of a group that really had autonomy to change the NBA rules to create more flow, to create more ball movement. Um, the game had kind of come to a screeching halt in the in the late 90s and early 2000s, uh, there was a crisis with scoring. And so uh, just generally, the, the two rules that really made the big difference were the defensive three seconds, where you could play zone or you could guard a guy without the ball with two guys, as long as two guys were um, you know, w- within touch distance, and et cetera. And it, took, it really impacted um, – the isolation game and the isolation post-up game, which had dominated, you know, much of the late 80s, 90s, and late 90s. And so 
the ball just had to start moving more. And there were a lot of coaches at the time that were skeptical. Um, you know, with uh, Jerry and his group said, look, at the grassroots level, um, kids need to learn the skills uh, aspects of the game more. You know, we, we have too many guys that don't shoot the ball well, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, skeptics abounded, um, but uh, Jerry was right. And what we saw over the next 20-some years was uh, a dramatic change at the grassroots level of high school basketball, AAU basketball, et cetera. And now you have guys that um, – you know, pretty much across the board, learn early in their careers uh, that if you can't shoot the ball, um, you're going to have a hard time playing really effectively at the college level, let alone the NBA level. And so the game's gotten faster. Um, You know, analytics came into this several years ago. And, look, the court was never going to get bigger. That was one of the arguments. Well, the court's too small. The players get are bigger. The court's too small. But – uh, because of the size of arenas, because of the high revenue seats courtside, the court, the court wasn't going to change. So what had to change was the distance that players operated beyond the basket, and that has changed dramatically. And the best the best example you can, you, you can see of it right now is uh, Victor Wembanyama, who last <laughs> night. I mean, if you were if you were there in person and saw this guy walk out on the floor and saw his really effortless skill set, I mean. That is the essence of today's game, and you got a seven foot four guy that is shooting step back threes and who can put the ball down on the floor and, and, and dribble it like a guard. I mean, uh, man, things have changed. Was there something, Rick Carlisle with us, I want to get to Victor here in a second. Was there, you mentioned coaches over the last 20-plus years or so that you've been a head coach with rule changes. You know, some of these coaches are skeptical, right? Was there ever something in the transformation of the game over the last couple decades that maybe you were skeptical about? Not so much Not so much skeptical. Um, you know, I, look, my career has been built on a love and respect for the game and a real belief in players' ability to get better regardless of what age they were. I mean, I was super fortunate. You know, I I was able to work with Tim Gergerich, who is the greatest assistant coach in the history of the NBA, and Pete Newell at Pete Newell's Big Man Camp in Hawaii for for several years. And that is the ultimate, um, you know, atmosphere for teaching the game. And – it was just, it was so reverential to uh, learn, you know, through footwork, how can you help players create shots? How can you help players create advantages? You know, what were, what were the things that unlocked players' ability to uh, perform better and see the game better? And so I was never really skeptical of it. I, I just knew that, you know, at, at some point um, – you know, that, that, that this was going to take some time, but at some point there would probably be um, a big change. You know, and, and, and in fact, sure. I'll give you, I'll give you one, I'll give you one kind of wacky thing. You know, one, one day I woke up, I had just gotten the um, Detroit job, which was my first job uh, as a head coach in the NBA, and I had this 
you know, and I, and I you know, I've always had a, a fertile mind for, you know, the game and, and things that might make it better, et cetera, et cetera. And so I was thinking an- analytically, but, but more from a mathematical standpoint with, with the scoring crisis that was happening right around the time that, that Jerry and his group put the new rules together. The thought I had was, Hey, look, uh, in baseball, you know, they, they mess around with the height of the mound, you know, you know, that, Things change with the ball from year to year, et cetera. What if there was a small adjustment in the basketball games? Like <laughs> my idea was to make um, to make the rim a half an inch wider in circumference, which would have made it uh, five point something percent bigger. And immediately you would have had a spike of five point something percent in shooting percentages. But you know, it's funny. I called Jerry <laughs> and ran the idea by him. <laughs> And he was he was very he was very cordial in, in listening to it, and he said, you know, uh, I'll think about that one. <laughs> but, it, but but really, it was it, it just historically it would have been um, too too big a change. But organically, with the changes that he and his group made, organically the game adjusted, and now it is just such a beautiful, fast-paced. Um, an exciting game. I mean, I, I couldn't be more excited to be a part of it. Yeah. You saw that last night, 152-111. Rick Carlisle with us here uh, on the wake-up call on the Payless Liquors hotline. Well, let's get to Victor Wembignana. Uh Yeah, he walks out there. You know, just seeing him on TV, I can't even imagine up close. He makes so many of the other players. There was uh, there was a video of him, Coach, up next to like a guy like Kevin Durant uh, and just how much bigger he is. So, I guess, you know, he walks out there. What do you think of him and his game? And then, I guess, secondly, in the next few years, what do you think Popovich will develop? How, how will he develop him, do you think? How, how will this guy get better, do you think, in the next couple of years? Well, great question. You know, I, right now, Pop's doing some really interesting things with their team. I mean, Jeremy Solhan, who was drafted as a power forward, I think, a year ago or a year and a half ago, whatever it was, is now their starting point guard. Um, you know, Victor at 7'4", 7'5", if you look at their depth chart, is – they're four man, uh, and yet you know he walks out to center court for the for the jump ball, and he's walking next to their center Zach Collins, and he looks like he's about a foot taller than Zach Collins. <laughs> and it was just uh, you know, you know, like Spolstra had it right. He said, you know, you, you just don't know what what you're about to see until you see the guy in person. I mean, it's just something else. But I, you know, above all that, I the thing that impressed me more than anything was his demeanor, his position, um, his feel for the game, the way he interacted with teammates. I mean, we we got on a roll early. They were second second of a back-to-back. They had an overtime game the day before. Um, you know, their team was struggling, and yet, and yet he was bringing them together and encouraging them. It was like, it was like he was a veteran guy, you know. And so um, there are just so many reasons to be excited about this guy you know, with respect to the future of the league. Rick Carlisle is with us here again. Win number 900 for him last night. Pretty cool video the Pacers put out on their social media. Um, Variety of people congratulating Coach on that win. Encourage you to check that out. Um, I know you mentioned this a little bit pregame, but I was hoping for our audience you could expand on it, and that is 
the season and what I guess you're asking for out of Benedict Matherin. Uh, the numbers early on, certainly in a different role, maybe not what he, you know, what we were accustomed to in his rookie year. So what are you asking from him? And I guess what have you observed uh, here in the first couple weeks of his second season? Uh, be, a, be a part of the team. Um, I think people have to let go of expectations of scoring numbers and things like that. I mean, our, our team's changed a lot. Um, with the arrival of, uh, of Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin, um, and these guys getting more, you know, more and more transfixed in our in our starting group. I mean, the, you know, the dynamics of the team has changed, and so uh, look in, a, in in today's age of social media, you know, instant opinions, instant gratification, instant everything. Um, you know, sometimes you got to let go of, of expectations for, you know, individual scoring and individual achievement. I mean, you know, I, what we're doing here is we're trying to build a team and a culture of team first, the team, the team, the team, the team, everything. And it's challenging, you know, in coaching, you know, especially, especially in the society we're living in today, you're swimming upstream with a lot of this stuff. But, you know, I, I hearken back to, you know, when I was fortunate enough to come into the NBA. Um, and, yeah, I, I've seen it. I mean, I showed up in Boston in the fall of 84. It was a team of guys, you know, generally speaking, between the ages of 27 and 32, who were a high, high-level team. You know, four or five Hall of Famers at that time, six when we got Bill Walton the following year. And the team was an absolute failure if we did not win the championship. And so I, I, be, I came on board to a team of guys. Each individual on that team would have, would have given anything, would have died to make one play during the course of a regular season that would contribute to the possibility of a championship. And that runs totally counter to today's society and – expectations and social media and, and everything else. And so, look, I'm not expecting these guys um, to be able to buy into that kind of a scenario like right away. But the good thing for me is I've seen it. I know that it can happen. The, the very best teams in the league right now have that DNA. They've developed it. They've, they, they've flexed it as a muscle um, and – They've developed it as a as a muscle, and so that's that's a, a large part of what we're doing here. Um, I thought Ben played one of his best games last year. Now he only, he only had ten points, but he played within the system. He ran hard, he defended really well, and he was efficient scoring the ball. So I thought last night was great. Uh, if 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 all you're going to do is judge, you know, our team and, um, and and his success on you know whether or not he scores twenty, then you know you're going to be disappointed and you're not thinking the right way. Uh, and so that's where we are. When you mention culture, uh, that it, that it's hard to kind of build that, that selflessness and everything else. Uh, I know it's very early in the season and you know, it's you know, <laughs> the back-to-backs coming up later on this week. How do you feel like you guys are doing in that area? Do you see positive growth every day that makes you happy in growing that culture that you're talking about? Well, it's going to be gradual. You know the same the same way the game had to organically change over 
over a long time. Um, you know, we're we're in a we're in a similar situation with our team. Uh, you know, it's, we certainly are not in this to, to have it happen over a you know a decade the way the NBA game develops, but this isn't going to happen overnight. I mean, this is going to take weeks and months, and um, it may take it may take ultimately years. You know, with a team that's that's young like this, but that's okay. You know, I mean. Um, I'm 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 happy with that as as long as we keep moving in the right direction, as long as we're preaching the things that are the important things, and that we're we're backing up the things that we're teaching. Um, but there's there's really no other way. You look back to the last team that was in the NBA Finals uh, for the Pacers. Team that was I was an assistant coach on that team, and that team had that approach they had that die for each other mentality they would do anything um, for each other and um, you know that was a team that that you know most people thought was was pretty much washed up we had traded Antonio Davis and drafted Jonathan Bender and you know uh, it was is a veteran team we acquired Sam Perkins and we really rode rode at some elite shooting that year to the NBA finals and and had a chance. I mean, it was a, it was four two in the finals, but um, it was a it was it was a great Lakers team, and we came up short. But I know it can happen in Indiana. You've got to dream big to to have big things happen, and uh, we're going to stay the course with that approach. Okay, now Utah, Milwaukee coming up for the Pacers Wednesday and Thursday as they conclude this five game homestand. Uh, Coach, last one for me, and again, Rick Carlisle with us here every Tuesday at eight a.m. Um, I want to go back to last Friday, and you wore a uh, red sweater uh, in honoring Bob Knight there uh, in those pregame warm-ups before your game against Cleveland. Um, If you could share any interactions that you had with Coach Knight uh, as we have kind of looked back on his life here over the last few days on the show. Yeah, I'd be honored to. Um, There were a couple things in my life. I I wrote a letter to Bob Knight my junior year at the University of Virginia um, to try to get his attention because he was going to be the Olympic coach the following year um, for the trials, just to you know have a chance to, to go to the trials and try out. You know, I knew, knew it probably didn't have much chance to make the team, but uh, wrote him a letter back in the days when people wrote letters and put stamps <laughs> on them and stuff like that, and. Um, didn't really expect much. Uh, about two weeks later, I got a letter back from him, <laughs> you know, which was uh, which was just awesome. And I, I wasn't I wasn't expecting it, um, but I was very appreciative of it. And it was it showed super class. And then, um, you know, in 1999, when um, when we had uh, the lockout. And that was a lockout that extended into January of that of that year. Um, Dick Harder and myself uh, went down to Bloomington to watch practice, and uh, you know Dick and, and Bobby had known each other for decades before that. And so we watched practice, and then came um, and then went out to dinner uh, at a at a small Italian restaurant in Bloomington, and. I got to tell you, I, you know, we sat there for at least two hours talking about the game and, you know, you know, forget about Bob Knight. I mean, Dick Harder was another guy who was like an encyclopedia on 
basketball, and he was one of the great defensive coaches in the history of of the game at any level. And so hearing these two guys talk basketball, but particularly hearing Bob talk about the game, he had a a, a such a an enlightened and sophisticated view of the game, and such an intelligent uh, manner of of communicating, you know, his feelings about it. Um, I thought it was one of the most interesting two hours I've ever spent in basketball. Um, and contrary to what a lot of people might believe, he was he was a he was a coach who was constantly evolving. You know, he he was talking about things that that he was doing and, and changes that he was making um, because of what he called, you know, uh, quote unquote, today's player and, and how he was evolving. I was like, you know, this is, this is uh, 1999. You know, this is like, was like the social media kind of era of, of, of his coaching career. And, and I just thought it was, uh, it was just one of the most tremendous experiences. He was, he was he was a guy that was much more flexible than people probably would have ever believed, hmm. um, and I think it just is another nod to his greatness. I mean, he he, he was a guy that had evolved uh, an awful lot as a basketball coach, um, where a lot of people thought you know it was it was just they probably thought that he was so stubborn would never change, et cetera, et cetera. I I experienced a, a man that um, was quite quite different. Appreciate you sharing that, Coach. Again, Rick Carlisle, fresh off of win number 900. Utah and Milwaukee coming up the next two nights as the Pacers continue to get underway here with their 23-24 season. Coach, as always, terrific stuff. Thank you so much for the time, and uh, good luck here on this back-to-back. Okay, thanks, guys. Be well.